are in the month of December. We're here. We made it, people. It is the end of 2022. And if your mind is as blown about this fact as mine is, we're all here together. We made it. Some of us are crawling across the finish line, but we are here. And really, the month of December is the time when many churches around the world are talking about something called Advent. And Advent is one of those words that you really only hear around Christmas time. And most of us are familiar with the word Advent in the form of, oh, please tell me my clicker's going to work. You guys, if this doesn't work, you're going to have to flip it for me. Okay. Many of us are very familiar with Advent in the form of this. Does anyone know what this is? <laughs> this is an Advent calendar. This is 25 days of chocolatey goodness right here. Um, but there is an actual definition of the word Advent, and I believe it's on my next slide. I don't know if I'm clicking this or if you guys are. Oh, maybe it's me. I was messing up. Advent means the arrival of something. So we talk about Advent, we're talking about the arrival of something, and usually we're referring to something significant, something significant that is getting ready to happen. And in, actually in Latin, the word Advent means both arrival and coming. So as Christians, as we take this time to really just reverently pause and reflect and remember Christ's arrival into the world as a baby, as an infant to save us from our sins, we're simultaneously remembering that he is coming again and he's coming back as the risen savior for the world. So Advent really has multiple connotations, multiple meanings. So that's really, if you hear someone talk about Advent, that is what they are referring to. This Advent season is a timely reminder for us to prepare our hearts for Christ's return. And there is something really, really important about having expectancy, having expectancy in our lives. Let's, uh, let me give you a, a quick example. Let's take putting up Christmas decorations as an example of expectancy. We really have two camps of people when it comes to putting up Christmas decorations. We have the early November enthusiasts. They're on it. They are on it. And then we have the second camp who is everyone else who is disgusted at that. <laughs> My um, my sister Aslan and, and her girls, they are part of the November 1st team. They are early November enthusiasts. November 1st rolls around. She has got the boxes, or I should say David has got the boxes down from the storage. They are ready. They are, they are just full on. She has a plan. Well, my daughter, who is fully embracing her season of adolescence, went over to babysit and saw the boxes and saw what was happening <laughs> and says, ew, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> it's like, Merry Christmas. So we have two camps, but preparation is an indicator of expectancy. And the Bouton girls, they are ready. They are preparing. They are expectant. They are excited about what is coming. And you know that 
expectancy exists in your life if there is some level of preparation that has gone into it. You don't tend to just stumble into expectancy. Um, when a couple is pregnant or if they're going through an adoption, preparing physically is only half the battle, right? What we're doing is we're having to prepare our minds. We're having to prepare our emotions for this new child. We're having to prepare our finances as best as we possibly can. We're having to prepare our homes. We're bringing in the things that we need. We are creating space in our life for this child, for this new person. And in fact, when a woman is pregnant, that's what the word we use, right? She's expecting, she is expecting something. And there is a biblical precedence for readying ourselves to receive something. And as we reflect on this Advent, I just really want us to follow the example of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She demonstrated for us how she prepared to, to have Jesus, to mother the Son of God. And many of you may be familiar with, with the story of Mary and the way that the angel Gabriel appeared to her one day. And so she has this angel that appears to her with a message from God. And in, we find this story in Luke 1, 26. It's actually several places in the Bible, but you can find it in Luke in the first chapter. And Mary is told that she has been chosen to mother the Son of God. And her biggest question was, how will it be possible for a virgin to conceive a child? Like that was her very first question. And Gabriel says, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. The Most High will hover over you, and the child that you conceive will be holy. And I know that as a young girl, she must have had a million and one questions. A million questions. None of this made sense. But in verse 38, it says, Mary responded, I am willing to be used of the Lord let it happen to me as you have said. Do you think this is how she dreamed <laughs> her adolescence would go? But she said, may it happen to me as you have said. She could not possibly have understood the magnitude of this calling in that moment. But she did understand the importance of expectancy. So she began to prepare her mind. She began to prepare her spirit to be used by God in such a powerful way. So this is what she did. She goes and she visits her cousin Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth is also expecting, and we know that that child will eventually become John the Baptist, but obviously they didn't know that at this time. So she goes and she visits Elizabeth, and when the women see each other, when they greet each other, something really remarkable happens. The child that Elizabeth is carrying in her womb leaps just by being in the presence of the unborn Jesus. And you know what? I think that was the moment that Elizabeth got it. I think, in my opinion, I think that was the moment it clicked for her. And she started seeing, she started picking up on what was actually happening here. So Elizabeth is so moved by this child that has reacted in her womb. She sees Mary and she just starts encouraging Mary out loud. 
She is so filled with the Holy Spirit. When she sees Mary, she says, you are blessed because you believed that there would be a fulfillment of what God told you. You are blessed because you believed in the fulfillment. How many need to hear that today? That you are blessed because God told you something, you may not see it yet, you may not feel it yet, but it will happen and you believe that it will happen because God's word never returns void. It will happen. So Elizabeth is so inspired and she's encouraging Mary. And then Mary hears these words and it, it, it sparks something in her. She feels so encouraged that she starts prophesying and her prayer and her words are so powerful that we now call it Mary's Magnificat. And I'm gonna read it for you today. It can be found in Luke 1, 46 through 55. So Mary says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever, amen. This is important and I'll tell you why. It's because Mary is showing us how to prepare our spirits for Christ. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, we just have to follow her example, she got it right. So we are just going to, to take her example in the way that she prepared for Christ so that we can prepare for Christ in this season in the same way. She prepared in three key ways, through her words, through her thoughts, and through her actions. Number one, Mary was expectant in her words. And another way of saying this is that she was emotionally preparing herself. Our, our emotions follow our words. And I know that we live in a society today where it's a little backwards in the sense that, oh, you just gotta say whatever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling, you gotta let it out. And that is true to a degree. There is a time and a space for that with trusted mentors, with tr people that are encouraging to you, with your counselor. There is a, a time and a space for that. But if you're walking through the day and you're saying whatever you feel throughout the day, that is the cart leading the horse. We're meant to speak life. Throughout the day, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. I know I'm not gonna feel fantastic and great all day. And the times that I don't, I am speaking out what God's promises are. I'm speaking out what God has said to be true. And I'm allowing truth to rule my day and not just simply how I feel. Because how I feel is gonna change by the moment, right? So we... Um, <laughs> One of the things that makes Mary's Magnificat so powerful is that she didn't actually see all of the things yet. She spoke it out because she believed it because God said it was true. That was her promise. 
Even though she didn't see the whole picture, she didn't have to have it all figured out. She spoke out of her faith and not out of her fear, out of her fear of the future. Did she understand what was coming? Did she understand why this had to happen? No. Did she have to understand how it was all gonna work out? No, she absolutely didn't. But she was expectant that God was doing something incredible. And she refused to let her emotions and her external circumstances rob her of the joy of God's promise. I was listening to a pastor, and I think it was David Poston. I can't really remember. Now it's all kind of a blur because we can hear sermons in so many different ways. So now I can't remember who said what. But I believe it was David Poston. And he said, if you observe birds in, in nature, in creation, there are some birds that eat fresh meat. You know, that fresh kill. They want that, that fresh meat. And then there are other birds who eat rotting corpses. And that's what they want. That's how they survive. They eat rotting flesh. But these two birds have something in common. And that is that they both find what they're looking for. When you speak out life, you begin to see life all around you. You're going to find exactly what it is you're speaking out and what you're looking for. So we have to be very, very careful about the words that we speak. Okay, number two, Mary was expectant in her thoughts. She was becoming mentally prepared. Our minds are very, very connected to the spirit. In fact, we know that the enemy's battleground is our minds. And it's our thought life. And I know, I know, I know, as a woman, Mary could have very easily allowed her thought life to run rampant with the whispers of the women in her community and the men in her community, the, the, the gossip of infidelity, like there's no way she was miraculously, she has miraculously conceived this child. She could have so easily allowed the shame of the, of the gossip, of the things that were happening to pull her down, to bring her down. But instead, she decided, she chose, she made an effort, she made a choice to believe the message from God. And that is that she is highly favored that God has a plan and she is a big part of it. She did something that is so important. She guarded the time that she had in preparing for Jesus. She guarded it very carefully. She purposely planned to go spend time with her cousin who was full of faith, who was speaking life into her, who was prophesying, who was praying for her. She chose to spend her time, this preparation time, with her cousin who was full of faith. And she allowed her thoughts to align with God's heart. Um, I, Growing up in a pastor's home, this is something that um, many... Well, at least our family, I guess I can't speak for pastors worldwide, but I think there are a lot of pastors' homes that they guard their Saturday nights really, really carefully. So many times, like, we won't go out late. Um, we won't, you know, we're really careful about what music we're listening to, what, what movies we're watching on a Saturday night. And we're just very careful about our time because we are, 
want to give our best to God the next day. We want to be prepared. We, we know it takes time to prepare our spirits. It takes time to prepare your thoughts, to get your thoughts in the right spot. And I don't want to be tired and exhausted and roll out of bed on a Sunday morning like, God, I'm here, here you go. You know, I want, I want to have worship songs in my head while I'm getting ready. I want to have sermons in, on, on podcasts. I wanna be listening to God's word when I'm in the car. I want to start worshiping long before our worship team even starts up the first song. It's all about preparing yourself and you know, rolling out of bed in the morning. That's great if that's all you got and if it gets you here, fantastic. But you will notice, just try this for me. Take, take the time to really mentally prepare for a Sunday, for what God is gonna do, for how he is gonna use you. Don't fill up your head with a bunch of junk, with a bunch of movies and, and, and music that isn't, that isn't full of God's promises. Um, when I was younger, I noticed a difference in the way that I would attend um, a concert, even a worship concert, like, oh, Hillsong United is coming into town. It was very different the way that I approached a concert as opposed to a Sunday morning. So when a concert's coming into town, you are prepping for it, right? You've saved up the money, you buy a ticket, you get together, you make a plan with your friends, you, you meet together early, you stand in line together, the ones that are running late, you save them a seat. You all sit together. You know, we were doing all these things because we were really expecting a great time of worship or a great concert, or just a really good time. And I did not approach Sunday morning that way. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> this is probably not good. This is probably not a good thing. I should be this expectant and this prepared for a Sunday morning to worship God. So that was something that God really had to um, work on me, work in my life about. Okay, number three. Mary was expectant in her actions. She was physically prepared. We've talked a little bit about how Mary and Elizabeth, they visited each other and um, they began to encourage each other and lift each other up. But I want, I want to use this example again because there's, there's another thread that I need to pull on. There's another lesson to be learned here. Something powerful happens when we meet together with other believers. It's like the Holy Spirit is activated when we meet together with other people. And the Holy Spirit was activated when Elizabeth and Mary met together. I think that there's just... There's just a special blessing that comes with gathering. And it doesn't matter if it's two people or 200 people or 2,000 people. There's just a special blessing that comes with that act of gathering. And I think it's because it takes an effort on our part, right? We have to make sure that there's gasoline in the vehicle. We have to figure out childcare. We have to get up out of bed. We have to get ready. This takes a while every Sunday. You know, there is a lot of effort that's going into seeing other people and gathering together. It takes preparation because we're also choosing to put off our errands that we have to do. I know we all have a grocery list that is waiting for us. We have work that would, we'd love to get a, a jump on for Monday, 
but we've decided to put that off and give this time to God. And there is a special blessing that comes with that preparation because it is an indicator of expectancy, that we are going to meet with God and that God is gonna show up when we gather together and that is so powerful. And you know, we're living in a time when, when gathering is getting more and more difficult or not, not difficult, I guess. The right word is we don't have to because so much comes right to our house, right? We have Amazon, movies come to us. We don't actually have to go out to the movies. We have a podcast with every single sermon and like rock star pastor you could ever imagine right at our fingertips. We have the ability to watch worship online, uh, watch sermons online. And, you know, there are certainly times when watching church online is needed due to illness or proximity or vulnerability. It is needed, it is a needed service. And actually that's why here at Northwest, Archie and Junior and the team, they've put so much time and effort into having a pre-service before this service starts because we want to engage with everyone that, that's online that is watching us online. But here's my challenge to everyone, whether in person or online. How comfortable are you on a Sunday morning? What is your level of expectation? So if you're watching online, could you invite one neighbor to watch with you? Because even inviting one person into your home means you have to get up, you're, you're, you're preparing in, in some way, you're engaging, your level of expectancy begins to rise, even by just having one person come in to your home. And your neighbors may not be in a place where they wanna come to church right now, but you can be church for your neighborhood just by inviting them in, giving them a cup of coffee, hot cocoa. Hey, let's, let's watch church together today. That is important because that is preparation and that is expectancy. Mary made herself available. And there is one ability that God cannot give us, and that's availability. That is 100% up to us. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to make space in our life. We have to be available for God to use us. Let me talk just for a minute about expectations versus expectancy. Because if you're like me, you, you could be thinking, oh my gosh, I cannot afford to live in this constant state of disappointment. <laughs> you know, like if I am constantly have all of these expectations all the time, people always let me down. I let myself down. The world lets me down. Like I can just, just point to something, it's gonna let me down and I cannot afford, my emotions cannot afford to be let down all the time. And I struggled with this too, 100%. Until one day the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and he said, expectation and expectancy are two different things. Two different things. Expectation is being dependent on your desired outcome. Expectancy, that's being dependent on God's desired outcome. You see, expectation says this is what I deserve. This is the standard. There's some entitlement that's attached to that, right? Expectancy says 
I'm going to be happy and I'm going to let God do what he's going to do. Christ will come through whether it looks like I want it to look or not. He is going to come through for me. And a lot of times disappointment and disillusionment is a result of failed expectations. We we don't get a say in how God answers our prayers when he's going to answer our prayer, the way in which he's going to answer our prayer, when he's going to show up, the way he's going to show up, when he'll move, we don't get a say in that. That is God. That is his decision. You know, expectancy is God said it, so he's going to do it. I get to be a part of it, and that's exciting. So that's what we can get excited about. It's God. He's going to do it. Gloria Gaither said it best. She said, how we experience Christmas depends greatly on whether we approach it with a spirit of expectation or a spirit of expectancy. I think many of us, myself included, it's very easy to approach the holiday season with really high expectations. Because we live in a culture that says, okay, everything's perfect around Christmas. You have to have the perfect little snowy picturesque place and everyone's happy and getting along and there's gifts for everybody. So we live in like this fairy tale culture that we're constantly battling against. So we desire it to be perfect. We desire it to be stress-free. We desire a break. We desire a rest. And there's a big part of it that thinks that we deserve that, right? Because we're hard workers, we're good people, we've lived through a pandemic, we work hard, we deserve this. But my thoughts go back to Mary. Do you think Mary wanted to give birth to her first child in a barn? I mean, women, we get a little psycho with our first child. Everything has to be cleaned. Everything has, the room has to look like it's Pinterest worthy. The perfect nursery, the socks have to match. If it's a little girl, she's got to have the biggest bow you can find. Like women are a little psycho with their first one. I've never seen, and this is so great, like when you get to the third or fourth little girl, they never have a bow on their head. You're just like kicking them out the door, like, come on, we'll brush your hair the, on the way to church. I mean, it's just so great. I can point and tell you which girl is the firstborn girl. She's got a big, pretty bow on her head. Mary is having to give birth to her first child in a barn with like real life animals in it. Not, not a cute little Pinterest barn that we see on, on Instagram, like a, bar, a working barn with animals. And I grew up with farm animals. Let me tell you, they are adorable on Instagram. And they're bouncing and they're super cute and there's music behind them. In real life, barn animals are not great roommate material. They are smelly, they are noisy, they poop all the time and then they just sit around in it. And so you're thinking she's having to give birth to her first child next to this cattle that smells like poop. I mean, oh, if Mary had had certain expectations of what it was going to be like to mother the savior of the world, she would have sunk into a deep depression in that moment. Like reality would have hit. 
But Mary clung to God's promises, what God told her in the beginning, rather than her own expectations or what it was going to look like or what it was going to be like. And she told the angel, I am willing to be used of the Lord. Let it happen to me as you have said, not as how I want it to look. The perfect Christmas card. We're all in our little Christmas pajamas. You know, that's great, but that's not what Mary's experience was. And if we live with these expectations, we're often disappointed because it never looks the way it does on Instagram. I'm a pastor. I know this. I know you. I see what you're posting on Instagram, and I know what's really going on. It never looks like it does on Instagram. So we can all just take a sigh of relief. You're not falling behind. You're not, you're, you are doing great. You're doing really, really well. Um, you're not behind the game at all. When you live with expectancy, there is joy in the midst of your trial. Even though the external circumstance might be smelly barn, there's joy in the midst of your trial. Because it's God's way, not your way. And there's peace that comes with that. We're going to have... Um, a ministry time, so I'm going to have Pastor Peter come up and, and just close, close us in prayer. But first, I want to ask you this. I will go ahead and put up the small group questions. What would happen if I came to church every week with expectancy that God was going to show up and use me in a big way? How would that change my mindset? How would that change the way that I prepare for a Sunday? I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is gonna show up and he's gonna give me a promise and he's gonna use me and he's gonna speak through me. How does that change your preparation time and the way that you're preparing your mind, the way that you're preparing your thoughts, the way that you're preparing your emotions, the way that you're preparing the way that you speak? It changes things. Remember, you will always get and see what it is you're looking for. Pastor Peter, do you want to take That's good. Yeah, come on. One of the things that always concern me with uh, Christmas time with, for Christians is that we can use this as an opportunity for escapism. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And I've noticed that escapism is a way of trying to get away from our, uh, our problems, our feelings, the things we don't really want to deal with. But at Northwest Church, we want to be making disciples, not escape artists. Because we don't want to become really well trained of how to just say, serenity now, serenity now, let me just get past the feelings that I have. God's not looking for us to, to become numb to the world. In fact, he wants us to become connected to the world. That's why Jesus became a human like us. He became connected to the world. He was the bridge between heaven and earth. And I believe that if God has called Jesus to do that, I believe that God has called us to do that. That's why we're called Christians. Christ followers, little Christs is what it literally, literally is the interpretation, a little Christ. Therefore, I believe that each and every one of us are called to be like Christ. And that is that we are to bring good news and we are to suffer for the sake of the kingdom of God in order that we might be able to bring more to Christ. 
And so this Christmas time, it's not a wah-wah type of thing where I want you to, to go, well, just suck it up if you've got some challenges. Because as Crystal said, disappointment does come our way. Maybe your marriage hasn't worked out the way you expected it to. Maybe you have a child that didn't really walk, work with God the way you expected him to or her to. Maybe you have a job that didn't really work out the way it wanted, you wanted it to. There are many things that have not lived up to the way that I wanted it to. But it doesn't change what is good about God. And one of the things my father used to say is, I, but is God still good? In every situation that we went through, what a difficulty there was, we had a challenge, we get to gripe about it for five minutes, and then once that's done, he'll go, I, but is God still good? Because you still have to decide if God is still good, then we have something to pin our hopes, our desires, and our, ex our expectancy to. But if you actually think the Father's not good, that's where everything's falling apart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God was a good father, that he truly loved us. He went ahead and was generous to us, regardless of what was gonna come our way. So I want to encourage you this morning that today you get to make the choice. My father's good, I'm expecting good things. That's it. That's all it is. So let's stand this morning as we finish our time together. Father in heaven, I'm asking for a deposit of your spirit in each and every one of us in this room and who is with us online as well. And today we make a declaration that our Father is good. I don't care what's come my way, what I didn't get to do, what I didn't get my way, I didn't get to, to do the things that I wanted to do, I didn't get what I was expecting. I don't care because none of them matter as much as my Father is good. So today we make a declaration that our Father is good. And I want you to say that with me. Our Father is good. Let's say a second time. Our Father is good. Let's say a third time. Our Father is good. And that's what we pin our hopes on. That's why we have such an expectancy within ourselves. And we pray at this Christmas time as we're gonna celebrate in one week's time. That's gonna be the first thing on our minds when we get up on Christmas day. I have a good dad. I have a good father, regardless of what's under the Christmas tree, regardless of what I don't get, regardless of what comes my way, I have a good father and that's all I need. Father, we pray that you fill us up with your spirit in your precious son's name. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Let's give a huge thanks to our father in heaven who is good. We love you guys. We'll see you next time.